Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Miranda, the Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to our program. And of course, November is the month that is called National Adoption Month. And that's the month where we draw like a bright light on the possibility of adoption. You know, it's very, very sad. But when surveys are done of, of women who have had abortions and you ask them the question, you know, wouldn't you have rather placed your baby for adoption? For a long period of time, many women were saying no. They were afraid of adoption. They were afraid of giving this concept of giving up my child and wondering what will happen to my child and what and they're going to come back and try to find me and oh my goodness and this and that. And it's very sad. And the problem, I think, is not enough people know that adoption could be such a beautiful experience. It could be the loving option, as you know, that phrase, adoption is truly a loving option. Well, today on the program, I'm going to be interviewing actually a good friend of mine. She's my cousin, actually. (laughs) And I remember going through this experience with her. But we're going to find out from a woman who did do an adoption what that journey was like. So, Kim, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. And, of course, as I alluded to, you know, you are my cousin. And, of course, I watched your journey from the time you were a little girl. And, you know, you married and you had your firstborn son, Nicholas. But then, you know, after Nicholas was born, you wanted to have more children. So tell us about that journey a little bit. Yes, Janet. Um, Nick was born in 1997, and that was a beautiful blessing. We were all very excited. But um, we had some issues having Nicholas. He was a twin, and we had a situation where his twin didn't survive. So we miscarried the twin. Miscarried. Yeah. And I was told. And at first, we we thought you lost Nicholas. That's right. Because we didn't even know there were twins there at the time. Yeah, that's how they found out, which happens, believe it or not, to a lot of women. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So then you miscarried Nick's twin. (laughs) Nick's twin. And we were told from that point on that there may be some more issues if we did try. So to be grateful that we had Nicholas and and that worked for a a short time. That was great. And we were always grateful. Um, But but I wanted to add to my family. Right. (laughs) And continue these beautiful blessings. And unfortunately, along the um, infertility route, um, it wasn't as fortunate for me. Well, uh, you did have a, a couple of miscarriages I, after yes, after, Nick, after you lost Nick's twin. There were a few more miscarriages, weren't unfortunately, there? Unfortunately, yes, I did have three miscarriages, and um, they were very traumatic because each and every one of them, I was placed on the same floor as women were giving birth. I was um, losing mine. So it was just a very traumatic time for me. And um, after the third time, I surrendered. I surrendered and I realized that um, having faith is having, is not running this show. And I took a seat aside from my higher power and let him drive the car. You let God take over. I let God take over. And you said, well, God, I guess I can't have any more children myself but I want to bring another child into this family. 
Was exactly. that that was the decision process you made? Absolutely. And during that that transition of acceptance and understanding that it may not be exactly the way I thought. And when I surrendered and allow God to work his will, and within six weeks, I met um, Alex's mom, Elizabeth, who was the birth mother. Wow. Now, of course, Alex is your uh, adopted son. He is. And he is now 13 at the time of this taping, almost 14. Yeah. Uh, and he came to visit me here in Florida. Yes, so I got to see did. what it's like to have a teenager <laughs> in my house. Um, but tell us a little bit more about the process because your adoption process I think was a little bit um more unusual than the average because well first of all you did have to go through a screening process right where they we came did. and they looked at your husband and you and Nicholas yes. in the house so tell us you about have that. To have a screening process um you can't have any background records um any they screen test you for drugs um mental issues or anything under that line, they come to your home to make sure your home is safe um, and that the environment is where the baby, you know, would it's be a be good nurturing, fit. nurturing, nurturing environment. Yeah, and they do um, screen it well because there's different fits for each and every different child that's out there. Right. Um, and they, this was seemed like a really good fit. Um, so when we met Elizabeth, it was from the get-go, just a very positive experience. Tell us about that because I think you know, you in particular, I think maybe because I knew your personality, Kim, it was you, you're like motherly, nurturing. How did you develop this relationship with the adoptive mother? Because very often, uh, from what I understand, uh, a lot of women who are considering placing their child for adoption, mm -hmm. uh, social services or a lawyer, whoever the case may be, will give them folders of several possibilities of, of parents for their baby okay. and they get to look at the folder and they say, okay, I'm choosing these for my baby. But okay. tell us, how did you and Elizabeth connect? Okay. Well, um, with my situation was I had a neighbor who also was going through adoption. And when she was at the lawyers clearing out her, finishing up her process, the phone call came in from Elizabeth who was looking for, um, she found an, an article that gave her help and gave her the number to this lawyer who helped teens or moms out there that had nowhere to turn. And she turned to them. And at that process, right at that time, um, my neighbor said, before we go any further, can we, I have someone that I think would be a really good candidate for this young lady. Right. So um, she did have a couple of different people. And Elizabeth did, she did choose... Uh, Anthony and I and Nicholas as her family. And that's how the process began. Right. And Elizabeth was a little unusual too, thank God. I mean, she never considered abortion. Mm -hmm. um, and she was basically hiding her pregnancy uh, from her her other family members, you know, Correct. because she had two other children at mm -hmm. a wedlock. And she was afraid of the, I guess, the negative chatter among different family members like, oh, you're pregnant again. Cause she was only 19 when she was pregnant with Alex. So she had already been a real teen mom at 15, I think Correct. you said, and then again, 17. At six, 17 and now 19 pregnant again. And so she kind of went exploring this whole adoption process on her own. Didn't she? She did. Yeah, she did. She really, um, she looked into many options and felt comfortable and, um, it, it really was a it was a miracle. 
Janet. It was an absolute blessing. So many adoptive parents do not get to see the baby uh, until X amount of days after the baby's born and there's a um, baby where they're handing the baby over. But you developed a relationship with Elizabeth during her pregnancy. So tell us about that. Yeah. So that was exciting. I met her when she was six and a half months pregnant. And um, on our first interview, we connected as if mother and daughter. She was the daughter I've never had. And I was the mother figure that she didn't have. Um, so we connected immediately. Um, I made sure she was fed well, she was taken care of, and I loved her as if, you know, she was my child. So it was a beautiful experience all around. Um, I also wanted her to know any way that she decided we were always going to stay connected and, you know, support her with any way. So you basically were supporting her in that fact, like, listen, Elizabeth. I know you've picked me and Anthony to be the parents for your baby, but if you change your mind at the last minute, we will not be mad at you. Exactly. We will not be upset. Be at peace. I mean, that was, yes. you know, kind of unusual too. And yes. so now you were communicating with her. You were living in Long Island, New York. Elizabeth was in Pennsylvania. Correct. And then, so all during that latter part of her pregnancy, you were in communication and yeah. you were making sure, like I know, sending her money to make sure she could get groceries when and I she was well cared Went on for. her visits with her. Really? It was very interesting. We went on um, the visit. So he knew my voice because we'd go for sonograms. Together. So you actually went to her doctor appointments? I went to her doctor appointments. Wow. She wanted me a part of the journey. So that's, it was that's really magnificent. Unusual. And there's a lot of young women that do want that. They're afraid to ask for it. And that, that but when should. I did ask, she accepted. That was so if you get that moment. Yeah. So now when she went into labor, one of the first phone calls she made was to you. So was tell, to us, tell us about that. That was exciting, Janet. Uh, I did receive a call early in the morning and they wanted to induce her even more because she was in labor for a while. And she said, no, I, I have to wait until the mom comes, uh, his mom. So she referred to you as the mom. Yes, she did. Oh, wow. And I said, no, please just do what you need to do. Have the baby. I'm always I'll get there. For you. Yeah. Um, and, and she did wait for us and I, we were able to deliver the baby together. And so you I, were in the labor was, and yeah. delivery room with her. Yes. So yes. you saw yes. Alex. Yeah. You probably saw Alex before she saw Alex. That kind of by the positioning Actually, of things. Yeah. Right? She wanted Alex for me to hold him first. And he knew when he opened his eyes when I um, embraced him and told him how much I loved him and how long I've been waiting for him. He opened his eyes and he held on to my, my shirt. He grabbed on and he knew exactly. He was placed in the right arms and. And she even, you even cut the umbilical cord, right? Cut the umbil- my husband and I, my ex-husband and I cut the umbilical cord. Yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Some experience. Now, according to, you know, people don't realize every state has different laws. Yes, they um, do. When a baby is going to be placed for adoption, how long you have to wait until the baby can be taken from the mother and, or from the hospital with the adoptive parents. So in Pennsylvania, it was how long? Um, yeah, every state has a different change of heart. Um, so that's a great question. Pennsylvania, we did have to stay there for at least a week for the whole process, change of heart, and then the lawyers with the paperwork. So that was, um, it's a nerve-wracking week. But I was fortunate, again, Elizabeth made sure that she told the lawyers 
um, the day that she left the hospital, she made a phone call, actually showed up to the lawyer and wanted them to put a phone call to put my mind at ease that it was going to be okay and she wasn't going to take the baby, that she knew what she did was the right So during choice. this week, you and your husband are staying in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth uh, leaves the hospital. Where's Alex go? With me. So Alex is with you mm-hmm. in a hotel room. And you're, you know, feeding for him, caring for him. Yes. And so this is that change of heart period of time yes. where Elizabeth has one final week to say, are you sure? Yes. Kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And you bring him to appointments and make sure they check up, make sure he's still in the state. Right. So we had some appointments. We had to show up with the baby. Right. Make sure he was in good health. Pediatrician and Pediatrician, all his shots for the okay, first week. Okay, so now week. day seven comes. What happens? Tell day us about seven, that. Day seven comes, and I receive a call from the lawyer's office that Elizabeth was sitting on the step waiting for the lawyers to show up. To open up. To open up oh so she goodness. can sign over the papers so I didn't have to sit anymore with any type of stress or unease. And she wanted me to move on because I've been waiting 12 years And she made sure that the lawyer told me that this is what I've been waiting for. It's time for me to move on in my life with my child. Wow. Now, his name is Alex. Alex. Who selected the name, you or Elizabeth? We both did. Because of my ex-husband's mom. Uh, Her name was Alva, so we did Alex for Alva. And oh, the letter A. And for the letter A, so it was Alex Joseph, and that was Anthony's dad. So... We did AJ, and that was Elizabeth's favorite name, was AJ. Oh, wow. So between Alex Joseph, she said, as long as you call him AJ. <laughs> but uh, And I remember when Alex was a little kid, we, did. we called him AJ for the yeah, longest time. And now, longest now, now that he's a teenager, he wants to be he Alex. No, no AJ anymore. <laughs> Alex, you know, the kids become very formal. I don't want right. to be called. They think AJ is like a childish a name. child, right. Yeah. So okay, was. so now, you know, you leave Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And the the adoption is official. official. Alice is now yours for life. Did you have any more contact with Elizabeth, or she just cut the ties at that point? She asked that um, we would respect her and allow her to just move on with her life. Um, and she wasn't up for keeping any connections. She knew that Alex was in the best hands, and I would always have a connection with Alex. It would always keep us connected. Right, right. And the- so now your other son... Yeah. By the Nicholas, by the time that all this happened, Nicholas was about a teenager himself. He was like 12. 12. Right? Yeah. So now I think Nicholas's story is a little funny too for people because when you have other children and then adopt another child, sometimes the kid who's already in the family has their own opinion. So what was Nicholas like when you brought home sure. Alice? Well, Nick was great when we first arrived. He thought he was really cute and sweet and the whole idea was just fabulous. And after about three weeks and some sleepless nights, he, he said, can we send him back to Allentown? Can he go back where he came from? <laughs> and I said, no, um, Alex is your brother and he's our child. And he was given, he's our child. He's, he's a part of our family. And uh, Nick was, you know, he, you sure we can't send him back? Um, no, no, that option doesn't exist anymore. (laughs) But then he did settle down, right? And and actually, right now, you think like you know, Nicholas is twenty five, almost twenty six, and Alex is thirteen. And people must say, well, he's like a young adult and he's a teenager, right? But I've seen that Nicholas 
he's almost like a dad to to he's a to very Alex much now. a father figure. He is an awesome. He's become older brother. so close to Alex, right? So close, so close. And as they get older, they get closer. And Nick appreciates more um, of the whole beautiful idea of how Alex was brought to us and right. how much he really is a part of our. He's part family. of the family. Well, yeah, I know he's part of my yeah. family too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I don't see any difference between Nicholas or Alex and my no. cousins, you know, both. That's people. right. But now, you know, here's the thing that a lot of people, I guess, worry about, about Alex. You know, when did you, did he actually begin to, I mean, when he's a baby and a toddler and a, you know, little kid, mm -hmm. he probably doesn't know he's adopted. At what point did you, and how old was he? when you kind of told him of the situation so he understood that he was adopted? Um, we always spoke of it since he was born. In the uh, family. In the yeah. family. Right. We right. never had shame. We were always so proud of, of Elizabeth and the whole situation. And, and we were proud to share our experience because there's so many negative experiences. When you hear such a delightful story, you want to share this. Right. So I was so proud of this whole, uh, you know, like this adoption. So... Um, but then I realized that he might not be as comfortable as I was. So around three, I started to kind of keep it down a little. And um, I bought some really great children books on adoption. And ah. I started to read to Alex about adoptions. So it wasn't foreign. Right. And then when he was in kindergarten, he got up in front of the whole class and decided to tell everyone he was adopted. But when he realized that no one else in class was adopted, then he came home and said, well, why am I so different? Ah. Because to Alex, he thought maybe everyone was adopted. He didn't know. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't know. So oh, this teacher, is just something everyone Exactly. Does. So they he got adopted. up and told the whole class, I'm adopted, and this is my story. Now let me hear about yours. And they're all like, no, we don't have a story quite like that, you know. So he realized, uh-oh, there's something different. different about being adopted. Exactly. Ah. And then I would say around five and um, a kindergarten was when we um, explained to Alex that his mom wanted to give him a much better life than she had experienced, unfortunately. So he began to embrace the concept from five on about being adopted. Yeah, and, and how uh, special he is. Yeah. And I mean, now I know he knows he's adopted and he talks about it like yeah. it's nothing, you know, yeah. like. Yeah, like, okay, he, yeah, that's something that happened, but this is my mom. This is it. This is And the he way understands is. that. He you knows. know, I noticed, too, he, because I think people worry when their adoptive child gets to be, like, in these teen years, are they going to begin to wonder or look for their birth mother? Sure. And, I mean, you could tell us what your experience is with Alex, but from what I see, um, he really has no desire or no, no connection there. But tell us when he when he talks to you about it. What does he say? Does he kind of say, uh, "Oh, I'd like to know who my birth mother is, get a picture," especially yeah. now with Facebook? You know what I'm saying? And the exactly. social media that didn't exist decades ago. Now, social media has made it easier than ever before for kids to start searching to see who their parents, the real birth mother is. Exactly. What's been Alex's Exactly, discussion? and that's a great question. Um, because with Alex, um, being that we do talk about it so much, and it is, you know, um, he, I would think he would be comfortable. Right. But he wasn't until about a year ago uh, comfortable enough to ask about his, if he had brothers and sisters. Uh-huh. So that was interesting because out of nowhere, he said, I, I want to ask you, do I have brothers or sisters? And I said, from 
my knowledge, you have two other sisters. And I then I went into it and he was ready to understand it, not ready to look for them at this point, but he was happy and he thanked me for my honesty. Right. Um, and then he didn't no longer, I, I've mentioned, if you have any desire, you know, I will support you and we'll, you know, look her right. up. She didn't want to keep it open, but I, I'll support you whatever you want to do. Um, I never want him to have any fear uh, of looking for her, but um, also I have to let him know to respect her as well as, you know, what she did ask for. Well, at the time she didn't want to have a connection. She wanted to just let him right. go. You know, which is was very exactly. you know giving of her to realize cut the ties and let him grow up right and, and with you as his real mom okay so see he wanted just a curious i think how those questions come up in children's mind is as you get older and you take more courses in school mm -hmm. you learn about your heritage and they begin to talk about your nationality exactly. and your background so it must have caused that much what triggered it in alex to say Okay, I was adopted. Nicholas is my brother. But what about my birth mother? Were there other kids? So that's where he wanted to exactly. know. Oh, mm -hmm. I have two sisters out there somewhere. Yeah. But yet, he, no. he's not, he doesn't want to look them up just yet. No, he yeah. said, nope, you're my mom. And God brought me to you. And this is and she's the way that. it is. Yeah, yeah, he's very happy with his right. situation. So if you, <laughs> could, if you could say something right now to a woman, who's a young girl who's out there, she's pregnant. And she doesn't know what to do. And unfortunately, as you know, Kim, some of them consider abortion. What would you like to say that might help them realize, don't, don't go down that road. Think about adoption, that this is really a good path to take. What would you say to them? If they understood the amount of love that they would be giving to a family and to see the transformation and how powerful that could be, I think that would just change everything. If they would, I, 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 for me, just embracing her with open arms and lots of love changed everything. Right. Because they, they're so fearful of not having that support and love. And when you could right. support them and love them and let them know that you're gonna, no matter what the situation is, we're gonna love you. We're gonna love you through this. That's right. And we're gonna make it through. Yeah. And um, that would be my words of wisdom. <laughs> And if you could say something now, if Elizabeth were watching or listening, oh. what would you want to say to Elizabeth? Thank you. Thank you for giving me life yeah. because he completed my family. Yeah. I know he did. Yes. And I, I just hope so many mothers who are considering what to do and would I'd see say the joy he's brought to you and your family Beyond. and uh, I thank God every day and realize her. that it is a beautiful thing to do to Amazing. to make an adoption plan. And it really is, as that phrase is, adoption yeah. is a loving option. So Kim, thank you for joining thank me. Thank you. It was a pleasure having our little cousin conversation. <laughs> thank you and for I, having I, me. I hope many people now will consider going down this road to adoption. Thank yeah. you. Well, brothers and sisters, thank you, too, for joining us on this program. And I hope you're considering now that November is Adoption Awareness Month. You've heard a beautiful story here today. Don't let it just stay here. Repeat this. Encourage people out there. Maybe at your church, 
you know, you might just put that little phrase, adoption is a loving option and maybe find out where are the nearest adoption services right in your own community. Because the problem is there aren't enough people out there talking about positive adoption stories and we could be saving lives. So many mothers, I think, would not go down that road to abortion if they knew there were hands reaching out there to tell them, we'll help you. We'll take you down this road. Help them to a pregnancy center near you. Because a pregnancy center near you will show them the path to adoption if they'd like that. And you can find out where the nearest pregnancy center is to you by going to pregnancycenters.org. You go to that website, put in your zip code, and you'll see where the nearest pregnancy center is to your home. And again, pregnancycenters.org. You need to be an ambassador to the positive message of adoption. This is Janet Miranda, the executive director of Priest Flight. Thank you for joining us today and God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.